Hey guys, what's up? It's LA and welcome back to the LAX podcast. We are going to be picking up from my book. We're going to be reading chapters seven, eight, and nine today. And so what's really special about today's episode is that my book is officially out and has been shipped to a lot of different people throughout the United States, Canada, and even other countries. It's been really, really crazy. And I just feel really blessed right now to be able to share my story with so many people from all across the, you know, United States and everywhere. I don't know. It's just overwhelmingly amazing right now. I'm just really happy. And I hope that everyone, um, you know, gets something out of it. That was the whole point of this book. You know, I never thought that I was going to be some kind of best-selling author. And actually I hate writing. I hate reading. And when you read the book, you'll understand that I would I've never been a really educated person, astute person, someone who could, who you would have thought would have wrote a book, but I was determined to get my message out there. And when COVID first happened, I really um, put in some hard work to be able to share this message. And, you know, I feel really, really proud and happy um, that I've made it this far. So without further ado, guys, let's go back into the book. We are on chapter seven. Chapter seven, discovering my platform. In 2014, I joined a gym relatively close to my house called Fit Gym. After my first week in the gym, I realized that my body was in worse shape than before. My left elbow in particular could no longer straighten out all the way because of all the bleeds I got playing golf. My right ankle had lost almost all range of motion as well. Pain levels for these joints were around an eight out of 10 daily. At first, I had no idea what I was doing when I walked through those doors. My, my game plan was to fake it until I made it. During the first month, I would spend most of my time observing what others were doing in the gym. I would try to find the biggest guys in the gym, and I would steal their workout ideas and try to implement them on my own. I struggled a lot in the beginning because I thought in order to see improvements, I had to lift as heavy as possible. But I kept getting bleeds because I was putting more pressure on my joints than they could handle. For six months, I was extremely frustrated with this strategy. I had had too many setbacks and didn't know how I would, how I would be able to continue down this path. But my new sink or fly mindset meant I was ready to die for my cause. During one early morning, 2 a.m. session, every single repetition, lifting a weight felt like the most painful repetition ever. I was almost in tears trying to finish my set. At this hour, I was alone in the gym and really deep into my thoughts. My head was down after grinding through that punishing set, and I was questioning everything. There are a few statements in my life that will always stand out to me. And I remember saying to myself, I don't know who you are yet, but this is for you. That meant that I haven't yet met a lot of people like me, but I knew they were out there. And then if they're anything like me, I knew they'd feel alone and sometimes hopeless. But right now, I'm going to keep fighting for them. I'm willing to put my life on the line for them. That is my purpose. I knew I couldn't fully see it yet, but I was going to pave the path one way or another. I motivated myself through all that self-talk, and I finished that session with everything in my power. I went home and infused, because as a hemophiliac, you just don't know when you did a little too much and a bleed is about to ruin your entire next day. I took another major step when I decided I wanted to be a leader for my community 
by committing to be compliant to a new infusion regimen. Previously, I pretended like I didn't have hemophilia and would avoid infusing. But if I was going to be a leader, I needed to make infusing a priority. My new regimen was prophylaxis, consistently infusing twice weekly proactively to prevent bleeds from happening. This was difficult for me because I transitioned from jabbing myself with a needle once or twice monthly to two times a week. It never gets pleasant to stick yourself with a needle, especially when you're having trouble accessing a vein and it takes you five or six attempts. Nonetheless, I was dedicated to hold myself to that new standard, knowing that this would be a crucial step in reaching my new goal. I was about six months into trying this whole fitness, changing the way I look phase without much success until one day at the gym, one day at the gym changed it all for me. I heard people talking about bodybuilding competitions. When I think of bodybuilding, I think of massive men that look like the Incredible Hulk, and I had no desire to ever look that way. Then I hear them talking about this new division called men's physique. It's a division that has a more attainable look, and you stand on stage wearing board, board shorts instead of a man thong. It really caught my attention, so I started to research what this was all about. The first guy I came across was Jeremy Buendia then the current Olympia champion. I was instantly fascinated by his look. I wanted to look just like that. I learned the judges don't consider legs, which is perfect for me since I lost all mobility in my right ankle and can barely perform any leg exercises. This was, this was a new sport that I could get involved with and maybe enough to accomplish my lifelong goal to become a professional athlete. This was it. I believe that if I could look like him and compete with the best athletes in the world while having a chronic condition, then maybe this would be my platform to reach and inspire other people like me. I started researching like a madman for the next few months. I wanted to know everything about the sport and how people transform to look like this. I learned the proper diet and exercise routine to look that way, and I was astonished. I was doing it all wrong. I wasn't feeding myself properly. I wasn't using the correct weight. I wasn't performing the correct number of repetitions. I was trying to go too heavy, too fast. I learned about supplements and quickly became obsessed with trying everything on the market. I studied workout videos on YouTube to increase my mental library of exercises to perform. As I started to gain momentum, I had a great idea. Facebook and Instagram just started to grow in popularity but I noticed no one was talking about hemophilia. It wasn't something you write on your profile. Hey, look at me. I have a chronic disorder. Poor me. With my new mission in mind, I decided I wanted to break down that barrier. I was no longer going to hide my disorder. I created my Instagram ac account and wrote, I am a severe hemophiliac and a bodybuilder. I was not yet accomplished enough to be called a bodybuilder, but it was my way of speaking it into existence. From that day forward, I would document my entire journey while being 100% transparent and vulnerable to every chapter in my life, good or bad. I made posts every week and I used special hashtags that only hemophiliacs would search. I continued my path of learning, fighting, recovering, and growing. I was one year into documenting my journey online, but I didn't get much attention. I kept reminding myself that this was my journey and it wouldn't happen overnight. I was going to find my purpose through this, or my life was over and pointless. Although I wasn't getting attention online, I was growing as an individual. 
I was getting into great shape and mentally I was feeling so much more optimistic about my life. All I wanted to do was keep chasing my goals at this time and I had a real purpose. When you find your purpose, your why becomes the powerful, your, your why becomes so powerful and helps you overcome those times you think you are done. Life just felt better striving for things so that you could help others as opposed to striving for things for self-fulfillment. I decided that since I had so much positive momentum mentally, I needed to keep pressing forward in life. I made a choice to start dating again. This time it was all about online dating, which was brand new and so weird, but I felt like I was ready to date again since I was feeling better about myself. I eventually found a girl that I matched and I became obsessed with trying to win her over and meet her. We didn't even talk yet, but I scrolled through her four pictures and thought, this girl seems so perfect for me. She was so beautiful. Talked to my mom about her and I asked for her advice on what to say to her. While I was stressing over this, she was barely giving me the time of day. Once I set my mind on something, I give it my all. I was persistent. And one night she agreed to meet me for a drink at a local restaurant. I got all dressed up to give her a good first impression. When I saw her, she was dressed in jeans and a hoodie. Like she was trying very little to impress me. She later admitted her sister had talked her into going. Nonetheless, she was still a pretty girl and I had an opportunity to get her attention. I think I surprised her for sure. The night went long and we didn't want to leave each other. We saw each other almost every day after that and started to meet each other's families. Within a month, we moved in together. I felt like I was on top of the world. I had what I thought was my dream girl. I was in the best shape of my life. I had a home and I was full of purpose. Love will make you do some crazy things. So I decided I should start playing golf again and try to become a PGA golf professional again. To do that, you had to sign up for something they called the playing ability test. You play 36 holes in a tournament format and you have to shoot a certain score to pass. I'd taken that test in the past and had never been able to pass before. I signed up for the next PAT and had about three months to prepare. While working out every day, I would also come home and practice my swing in the backyard for a couple of hours. I kept telling myself that success is a choice and I am choosing to put in the work. This time around, golf was completely different for me. I had to teach myself how to swing differently. My elbow could no longer straighten, which, which caused many different flaws in my swing. I wasn't even sure I could walk 18 holes without having a severe ankle bleed. In this tournament, I had to play 36 holes in one day. All my life, I wanted this moment to happen for me. It wasn't likely I would win a U.S. Open, but if I could at least say I was good enough to be a PGA professional, then I would get a, I would get a lot of satisfaction, considering my body was breaking down on me daily. It was tournament day, and I woke up early to infuse myself before my long day. It was a brutal day for everyone. Mentally and physically, it's draining to spend eight hours on the course. The pressure is immense. You pay a hefty fee to enter and getting your pro status all comes down to one day. Round one began and I was off to a shaky start. I was striking the ball well, but I choked on my short game, which caused me to get unnecessary bogeys early on. That meant I was now falling off track of the target score. Despite my early adversities, my mindset felt different this time around. I kept telling myself not to give up, that I put the work in to make this happen. 
the target score for the first round is 74 to 75. And I shot an 80. I was now five shots off the target score. We got about one hour to rest and eat and get ready for round two. I obviously wasn't thrilled because I was now five shots behind going into the second round. I knew that if I had any chance of passing, I would have to shoot even par. Round two started and it was probably the most unique round I've ever played in my life. I wasn't hitting the ball perfectly, but I kept saying, I kept staying in it mentally. I kept grinding and making tough pars. I was, I was making sand saves and hitting it out of trees and getting up and down to save par. Suddenly I strung together a couple of good birdies. Birdie means that you gain strokes back toward the target score. I now found myself two under par for the round and in good position for a comeback. I remember I had six holes to play and I was two under for the round. I was getting exhausted, but I told myself I have two strokes to work with and I'll pass the test. I finished the round only making one bogey, giving away one stroke and shooting one under par 71 for the round. I did it. I passed the PGA playing ability test and could now become a PGA professional. This was my biggest accomplishment to date. I seriously couldn't believe that I passed it this time with a crooked elbow and a bummed up right ankle. I was so proud of myself for this achievement, but after the excitement wore off and unable to walk for the next few days, I had to reevaluate things. Although I could now pursue my career as a PGA professional, I knew my body couldn't handle doing that anymore. Just this accomplishment took everything out of me. That swing I, I used to pass was no longer a swing I could maintain. I was getting worse by the day. I ultimately made the choice after that tournament to no, to no longer play again. I lost my passion for the game. Just wasn't the same to me anymore. Chapter eight, rebel with a cause. After making the choice to quit golf for good, I dedicated myself to becoming a men's physique bodybuilder. Through failing and learning how to lift properly in the gym, I realized I had to create my own methods in order to achieve the desired result without getting bleeds. And if I found those methods, I could keep progressing while going weeks without bleeds. This was a revelation for me. I could take the sport as far as I wanted, despite having damaged joints. Soon I was going weeks lifting and feeling 100% in control of the movements. I concentrated on the mind muscle connection and my tempo was always very slow. I realized that when I performed any sort of explosive movement or dynamic movement, my body would, wouldn't like that and it would bleed internally. I was in for another huge surprise. It was 2016 and I had been with my new girlfriend for only six months and found out she was pregnant with a baby girl. I was excited and up for the new challenge. Life seemed pretty good. Just months ago, I was looking in the mirror, asking myself, what was there to live for? And now I passed my PAT, found a new girlfriend, and was having a daughter. I had tunnel vision for my mission to become a leader in the community, even though I was nowhere close to having the impact I wanted to have yet. I was still posting every week on Facebook and Instagram, and I was getting some attention, but not from the audience I was looking for. Although I had this beautiful new family to be excited about, I didn't know how to appreciate that. I became obsessed with my mission. I could have stopped and just focused on my family to, pro to provide for them and be there for them emotionally, but I couldn't. I just didn't know how anymore. 
when I made the commitment to myself to become a leader, after thinking I was at the end of my life, it did something to me mentally that I just couldn't take back. Despite the best interests of my new family, I went all in for myself. I invested my energy and finances in anything and everything that I thought would advance me in my journey. I was purpose-driven and I felt like my ultimate goal was to leave this legacy for my kids and community before I eventually died. I always believed that I was gonna die at a young age. And when you truly feel like that, you just think differently than most people. I'll admit that I became selfish and didn't know how to go back. I told my girlfriend that I wanted to be the first person with severe hemophilia to step on a men's physique stage. I believed in my heart that this would be the platform I would use to reach more people. I made the choice to sign up for the 2016 Arnold Classic, one of the biggest stages possible in the amateur bodybuilding world. I couldn't have signed up for a local, I could have signed up for a local show, but that wasn't enough for me. I wanted to compete against the best people from all over the world. I didn't have a coach, but I figured I learned enough on my own and I'll continue to research what I need to know to step on that stage. I signed up for the event and within a few weeks, I got a letter of acceptance to compete. I saw my name listed next to people from Mexico, China, Brazil, Australia, and so many other places. I was so excited to step on stage with the most elite athletes in the world as I represented the bleeding disorder community. I prepared myself for three months and saved money to afford the event, travel, tanning, supplements, and hotel. During this time, I started to notice I was getting a lot of attention now on social media. I was getting messages every week from new people from around the world saying that they were inspired and proud of me. Some people would tell me that they were scared to talk about hemophilia, but because of me, they are now proud to list on their profile that they also have hemophilia. I would thank them for reaching out to me and tell them that I would keep pushing my limits for them. I would also tell them that I wanted to make hemophilia a badge of honor or something that didn't mean we had a disability, rather something that meant we were stronger than most. For the first time in my life, I felt validated. That is a powerful thing. I remember once saying, I don't know who you are, but I'm doing this for you. And now I was starting to see those faces. Parents started sending me pictures of their kids and thanking me for giving them hope for their future. All of this gave me a crazy amount of fire in my belly to keep fighting for them. I then came across a competition offered by Men's Health Magazine called the Ultimate Guy Search. The winner of the competition would be featured on the cover of the magazine. This was exactly what I needed. If I could have the privilege of representing the people around the world with chronic conditions on the cover of that magazine, then it would be my ultimate dream come true. When I signed up for this competition, I truly saw the power of social media and my community come to life. This competition was based on votes and had thousands of people enter. I asked on Facebook if people would share and vote for me, and the people who had been following my journey went to bat for me. I was getting hundreds of shares, votes, and comments. I told everyone, as long as they keep voting, I'll keep pushing myself and posting updates. As my first show was approaching, I had made it into the top 20 finalists and also got a special feature on their website called the Ultimate Guys with the Most Impressive Abs. The combination of being the first hemophiliac getting ready to step on the biggest amateur bodybuilding stage, along with the men's health contest boosting my notoriety within the bleeding disorder community, I now had a lot of eyes on me and many people considered me to be a role model. I remember as a little boy in my room being so confused about, how, about what I was going through and hating myself. 
I would punch myself in my head thinking maybe if I did it just right, I would die and I could end all of this. If only I had a role model who understood me and proved to me that I was capable of anything, then maybe I wouldn't have gone down such an evil path. I wanted to create that missing person in my life within myself. I wanted to be that guy for a little boy in the future. No one deserves to feel so alone. It was showtime. I traveled to Columbus, Ohio for the biggest day of my life. I signed in, went backstage, and saw a ton of guys walking around with their team uniforms with their country's flag on them. They all had coaches and bags of food and other items. I had no idea what I was doing. I brought some random food items that I read about, but I didn't really have a game plan, and everyone else seemed to know exactly what they were doing. I saw some big name social media influencers backstage that I had been following throughout my fitness journey on Instagram. My heart was pounding like crazy. I had no idea I would run into these guys. One guy in particular stood out to me, Sergey Constance. When he walked into the room, it was like a spotlight was following him. His physique looked unimaginably insane in person. He had that aura about him that I always wanted. You just walk into a room and you don't have to say a word. You just know there's something special about that guy. His body did all the talking. Everyone was stopping him and taking pictures, but I was far too proud for that. I was impressed, but I was also here to compete. I'm fierce when it comes to competition. While I was backstage, my girlfriend was in the stadium seats taking videos and texting them to me so I could see what the stage looked like. It was spectacular. It was the most prestigious stage I had ever seen with a statue of Arnold Schwarzenegger right in the middle. It was almost my time to get on stage, and I was wearing my bright red trunks to represent the bleeding disorder community. I even said to myself right before they called me on stage, I leave it all on the table for you guys. I couldn't fail because I was doing this for a purpose. I stepped on stage with the best athletes in the world as a severe hemophiliac. In this show, if you don't make the top 10, you automatically go home. I was sent home. I'm super competitive, so I was upset with myself, but realistically, I was trying to go from level one to level 20 in an instant, and that just wasn't reasonable. I remember guys backstage asking me how many shows I had done, and I replied it was my first. They all started laughing and said I was crazy. They said most people do this show after years of experience in other shows. I always had this go big or go home mentality, but if I wanted to take this journey seriously, I'd have to reevaluate my game plan moving forward. I went back home and got on the social media and gym grind. I had gotten a taste of what it was looking of what I was looking for and quickly became dissatisfied, wanting more. It was time to change my mission. I no longer want to be a hemophiliac who stepped on a stage. I want to be a winner. This obsession grew larger, and so did the attention on social media. I was so distracted by my goals and my overall mission that my relationship with my girlfriend was failing. We would soon split up and go our separate ways. Now I had three children, two baby mamas, and that much more child support and responsibility. Every relationship in my life had failed. At first they failed because I was depressed and hated my life. Now they failed because I was so focused on my dying legacy. When you truly feel like your life is over, but then you find your purpose, it's incredibly hard to stop trying to fulfill it. That was the only reason I chose to live. It's not that I don't love the people in my life because I really do. And I try my best to meet everyone's needs, but I was obviously failing to do that. Messages were flooding my Instagram and Facebook mailbox. It became a full-time job to respond and give everyone my time. 
My notoriety kept growing in the community, which would present a lot of new opportunities. Continuing my journey and focusing on my goals inhibited my ability to provide the time necessary for personal relationships. Chapter nine, light in the darkness. I had been living in an apartment with my girlfriend, my one-year-old daughter, when she packed her bags and left me on Halloween day. It definitely became a nightmarish day. Rent was due in a couple of days and I was completely broke. She took all of her money and the only vehicle we had. I might've been making a difference in the world, but personally I was broke. In more ways than one, I had no idea what I was going to do. How could I go to work with no car? How could I pay rent? Plus I no longer had my family. I didn't want to lose them. I just didn't know how to make things right. That night, I remember sitting in the corner of my apartment with my head down crying and so confused on how I would move forward from here. Everything that I sacrificed to become a leader no longer seemed worth it. I was losing everything. The only thing I, I had were messages of people telling me how inspired they were. Those messages felt powerful at the time, but they didn't serve me at that moment. I questioned every choice I had made, asking myself if it was worth it. Then I sat there with no valid answers. I got a random phone call. I brushed away the tears and decided to answer this unknown caller. It was a lady I met at a hemophilia event in the past. She said she felt the need to check up on me. I didn't hold back at all. I didn't have anyone else to talk to, so I told her everything. She then said, if I send you $5,000, would that help you? I was speechless. I said, yes, that would help me get a vehicle so I could continue to work and also pay, help me pay rent. She sent me the money within a couple of days. This is one of the moments in life that gives me the chills to this day to talk about. She was truly an angel in my life. All I could think was God is amazing and works in mysterious ways. I had exactly what I needed now to continue my next chapter of my journey. Heartache can destroy you but my community once again gave me new life and a restoration of hope. It was time to press on the gas. Physically, I had leveled up by stepping on stage. I just needed more years of training under my belt to compete at an elite level and actually think about winning. I kept training daily, but for, the next, for this next phase, I needed to focus on building myself emotionally. I knew that winners had something that I didn't have, and I was gonna find out what it was if it was the last thing I did. In my entire life, I was always just above average at many things, but never good enough to be the winner. I knew if I wanted to creep closer to that goal, I would have to dig into the emotional aspect of it all. I knew that since I found success physically changing my body, I'd have to use the same principles to up my game emotionally. One thing I learned in bodybuilding was to find someone who already has what you desire and study them. At the time, I had no idea of who I was even looking for until by accident, I found him. Was it really an accident though? I believe you find the things you need when you are aware and looking for them. I always remember a teacher taking us through a drill where he told everyone in the class to locate something in the room that's yellow. We all searched for 10 seconds. Then he said, search for something green now. We all searched for 10 seconds. Then he said, without telling without telling me one thing off the top of your head that 
he then said, without looking, tell me one thing off the top of your head that was the color red. Nobody, of course, could think of anything right away because we weren't looking for anything red, even though there was red all around us. It proved his point that we find what we're looking for and become completely blind to anything else, even if we're looking straight at it. I discovered this again when I was searching Netflix documentaries to find inspirational people and I happened to come across Tony Robbins. Holy cow, I was mind blown after watching his documentary. This was the guy I needed to study. I need to find out how he became so successful, influential, and made such a difference in people's lives. I had never in my life seen anyone like him. Luckily, he had so much amazing content to research. He had books, CDs, YouTube videos, and podcasts. I had to have it all. Over the next six months, I immersed myself and started taking action with the advice I was studying. I remember an important quote by Tony Robbins that said, the acquisition of knowledge isn't power. It's the application of the knowledge that is truly powerful. Another huge step I took was to completely isolate myself from anyone who didn't believe in me and my journey to transform myself. For many people, this will be the single hardest part because we rely so heavily on certain people's thoughts and opinions. Some people have a greater understanding and will not only accept your new journey, but also support you. Hang on tight to those people. Other people can only see you in a certain light. And if you try to change, they don't like it. If they see you are doing new things, they will discourage you by saying things like you're being fake, that that's just not who you are, or that's impossible. It may not, it may not have been who you were, but there's only one way to change your life forever, and it takes consistent and massive action. It was hard, but I did it. I stopped all, all communication with anyone who was a negative influence in my life, including most of my family. I had to tell myself that I love them all very much, and I forgive them for not wanting to believe in me any longer. But I'm going, I'm going somewhere they couldn't imagine. I truly believe that God doesn't give everyone the ability to have vision. If you're lucky enough to have it, you have to trust it with your entire heart and never give up on whatever it is that you see. Be thankful and understand that vision is a part of your gift. I got to work on my new vision. I bought a desk for my living room and I had a MacBook that sat on the desk. My walls in the living room, I printed out success quotes that I still have on a hard drive to this day that inspired me. I printed out about 20 of these and taped them all over my living room. I slept in my kitchen which I had nothing but a couch. In my bedroom, I had a mattress that I didn't sleep on because I didn't like how it felt to sleep alone. I also created a vision board to hang on the wall. Then in my hallway, I placed a huge poster board and wrote down 10 daily affirmations. I bought a cutout mirror that I pasted right in the middle of the poster board. I would wake up every, every day, look into the mirror and repeat my daily affirmations. My affirmations were things such as, I will be successful. I am good enough. I am blessed. I am capable. I am a good father. I will be a champion. I am a professional athlete. I'm a leader in my community. I will make over $50,000 this year. I was teaching myself to speak things into existence. In my kitchen, I placed a huge whiteboard and every other month I wrote down three to five daily habits that I would work on for that period. I would look at it daily to remind myself of what the goal was for the day. I came across a study done at the University College of London. 
that stated to truly change a habit in yourself, it takes 66 days of implementation. I studied Tony Robbins and picked behaviors that I wanted to incorporate in my life, things that would make me a better person. I would make sure to focus on those things. I actually started finding new authors, became fascinated with them, and would buy their books and content. My goal was to study the behaviors of the most successful people in the world, pick which behaviors and habits I enjoyed, and apply it to my own life. After I found Tony, I found other authors, other authors like Richard Branson, Gary Vaynerchuk, Grant Cardone, Simon Sinek, Andy Frisella, Brendan Bouchard, Mark Cuban, Damon John, and many others. I was investing in myself and loving this growth phase of my life. For the first time in my life, I was learning behaviors, mindsets, habits, and goal-setting techniques that no one ever taught me. Until this point, I always thought I was unrealistic because of my thoughts in my head. But when I read their books, they said things that I've been thinking my entire life. I didn't think it was okay to think that way. In my past, I would say things out loud and get shut down with, that's impossible, or that doesn't make sense, or that's too risky. I was mind-blown excited that these guys gave me permission to keep thinking the way I did and to understand that no one, that not everyone will support those thoughts. Over the next six years, I would implement this into my life and never give up on an ever learning and growing machine. I might fail over and over, but unlike many other people, I accept failure as my opportunity to learn and grow. Failure is never an excuse to quit. I will keep chasing my dreams until the day I die. One of the most imperative things I learned was creating a destiny statement. Tony Robbins has an exercise to help create this. A destiny statement is a short sentence, anywhere from five to seven words that describes your overall life goal. You make the statement as short and condensed as possible. You take your time creating your statement, but also understand that you can change it as your life evolves. This statement can be used as a compass for everyday life choices or for whenever you fall off your path. You can reflect on the statement if you have a, um, a career choice to make. My destiny statement is use adversity to change lives. Whenever I fall off the path, I remind myself of my statement. If I have a huge new opportunity, and I don't know if I should take it, I remind myself this world and hemophilia will always throw a curveball and maybe even knock us back a year or two. But if you can remind, remind yourself of your destiny statement, it will help you get back on, on track. Create one and share it with me on social media. Tag me on Instagram at chronic underscore physique or look me up on Facebook. I'll share it on my page when I see it. After seven months or so of doing this and staying consistent with my fitness goals and social media goals, my life started to reap the benefits. My first big opportunity came in 2017 when I was approached by a pharmaceutical manufacturer company that wanted to hire me to talk about my story. They wanted to give me the chance to travel across the nation and reach more people. I was shocked at this, this new opportunity and scared out of my pants at the same time. I said yes immediately. This was an opportunity right on track with my destiny statement. At first, I told myself I have zero experience and that it would be impossible for me to get good enough to actually speak confidently on stage. The only thing I did know was that I had to try. If I wanted to continue my growth phase, I would have to keep finding ways to step outside of my comfort zone. I was getting familiar with being uncomfortable in life. So I said, what the heck, let's learn. Luckily, this company had a team that would listen to my story and write a script for me that I could practice. 
They would also have professionals training me about stage presence and all the little nuances that go into the art of public speaking. I did everything that was asked of me and I put in the hours of practice. I would record my voice using an application I found on my phone and listen back to it. I would even videotape myself walking around pretending I was on stage giving my talk. Once you videotape yourself, you start to see so many things you wanna change about yourself. That's perfectly okay. Embrace the process, no matter how boring or stressful it is. Once you start to see the improvement, you'll thank yourself later. I actually have footage of all of this on YouTube. Search Hemo Life to find them. The video shows all my practice sessions and then transitioning to me actually on stage talking to hundreds of people. Even though I always got complimented after a talk, I knew I had a lot to work on. Each opportunity I got, I wanted to get better and better. I started reading books on public speaking and also watching a lot of TED Talks on YouTube. I was traveling everywhere now. I felt like I was making such an impact. I knew it got serious when I was invited to speak in Toronto, Canada in May of 2017. I had to get a passport for the first time in my life. I started to read the audience much better and learn how to interact more skillfully. I would tell my story of my upbringing, growing up loving sports, my hepatitis C treatment, and finish with my athletic accomplishments. I always made it a point to talk about the mindset that it took to overcome my fear and adversity. I always made sure the audience understood that I lived through their pain and that they are not alone and that they, they could accomplish anything they wanted to in life. Bodybuilding would become my platform to reach people, but I wasn't promoting bodybuilding for everyone. It was more of a mindset that I wanted to portray that will help accomplish any goal in life. I completely opened myself up on stage and was vulnerable. I actually can't really tell my story live on stage without getting teary-eyed. I got choked up all the time. Reliving the moment when I was told my liver was in the final stage of cirrhosis is truly hard for me. I instantly get all those old feelings back. I would stay after my talk to connect with everyone and listen to their story as well. It's crazy because everyone would think that I'm just inspiring the audience but I'm the one who gets to leave the most inspired from listening to all the personal stories and making new connections. I truly felt like I was fulfilling a part of my destiny sharing my story on stage. It was such an honor. I also wanted to show the audience that I'm not some washed up athlete telling you that you can accomplish your goals like I did back in the day. I'm still chasing my dreams every day and I'm never done. You should, all, you should always be leveling up in life. If you see me in another year or two, I'll have a completely different story. Shoot, by that time, I'll probably have to completely reintroduce myself because that's the speed at which I want to grow. Because of all the connections I made across the nation, I started getting presented with new job opportunities that eventually would catapult me from making $20,000 a year to $50,000 instantly. I remember at the end of the summer, I had three jobs to choose from, all working with patients in the hemophilia community. I asked myself once again, if this is aligned with my destiny statement, and it was right on track, I would now have the opportunity to work full-time managing patients, taking care of their needs, and becoming a personal mentor to them. I take so much pride in that role. The main aspect of the company I chose to work with is that I ship medication. The main aspect of the company I chose to work with is... The main, sorry about this. The main aspect of the company I chose to work with is that I ship medication to patients, but to me, that was the least I have to offer. 
I have so much experience that I believe the main benefit is me. I take so much pride and accept the privilege of being able to now play this role for my community for years to come. Plus, this is the one job I can do without getting bleeds. God is good. God has helped me battle through my all-time lows and position me where I never thought imaginable. I know those days all too well when you feel trapped and like there's no foreseeable way out. I promise you that you are capable and that all things and that things will change. I am living proof of that. Some days you have to make silly goals. Like today, I will brush my teeth, take a shower, and put on nice clothes. Eventually, as long as you never give up, the simple task will be enough momentum to carry you out of your mental hole. It may last months or years, but I believe you will overcome that and one day use that in your own story to help others. All right, guys, that is the end of chapter nine. I hope you are enjoying the book so far and so sorry about my reading skills. I know they're not the best, but thanks for hanging in there with me. And if you would like to pick up the book, it is now available on Amazon. You can, you can type in my name, L.A. Aguayo, or, or adversity equals opportunity, finding purpose in the pain. Um, or you can look on uh, my Instagram link in my bio or find me on Facebook and there's going to be a link pretty much everywhere you look right now. So, all right, guys, thanks. I hope you have a great night. Bye.